Hello, Vintage Church. How you doing? All doing all right? Man, it's so good to see you. For those of you who may be visiting us for the first time or the first time in a while, my name's Stephen, and I'm one of the pastors here. And last week, we actually kicked off a series called Unmistakable, where together we're going through the New Testament book of First. John, and I can't, listen, it's such a timely uh, study for us, and so I want to encourage you, if you missed any of those, to download our Vintage Church app. For those of you maybe new to Vintage Church or kind of how we do things, we usually work through series. Sometimes we go topically, sometimes we go through an entire book like we are now, Uh, but every single time we provide notes for you on our app, Uh, I believe you're smarter with a pen or when you're using your thumbs, for those of you who are younger, I want to encourage you to really lean in and grow. What you learn here really should be able to be applied when you leave here. That's kind of the whole purpose. I also want to encourage you, if you're just getting connected, we talk about this a lot, but the church is so much more than just what it does. Uh, It's more than just a place you go or even a service that you attend. It's actually a spiritual family that you belong to. And the quicker you can get connected to that family face-to-face in meaningful ways, the sooner that you're going to really start to grow uh, in your faith and in your life. And so right outside this door, before and after every service to the right, I actually loiter in an area called the guest suite. Uh, Yes, loitering is still allowed here at Vintage Church within reasons. Don't try to sell anything, but we like to hang out with each other uh, quite a bit. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, myself, members of our leadership team, our pastoral staff, many of whom you saw up here today, will be out there to answer any of your questions as well and really get you connected. As a matter of fact, we have a serve team social uh, coming up at the end of the month, so you can come hang out. My wife and I actually host those at our home. We'd love to, to meet you, get you connected on a team. We call them a serve team social for a reason. If you come and you're not on a serve team, you will be on a serve team by the time you leave. Uh, and and if you're on a serve team, it's a place for you to connect with other people who are in ministry with you. We, we actually combined our Belton and our Harker Heights uh, serve teams in that uh, environment. It's very, very fun. Uh, so we're going to jump in. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. If you don't have your Bibles, that's fine too. Uh, I would encourage you to start to bring your Bible or open it up on your phone. But if you still don't want to do that, we'll also have the scriptures on the screen for you. Before I jump in and we talk about the anointing of the Holy Spirit today, I am so excited about this message. Uh, I also want to tell you something that I'd like for you to do this week. Uh, We don't do this all the time, but from time to time, we bring in very, very important people uh, to uh, the life of our church. We have a worship night coming up uh, this Wednesday at 7 p.m. I know it's late, young parents. I understand that, okay? But we will take care of your kids. We will work through it. You will not want to miss being here, okay? One of the reasons we made it a little bit later is we're going to have, I think there's 40 or 50, maybe 60 now, uh, pastors who are actually going to also be joining us that night for worship. For those of you who may not know, we do all kinds of things as a spiritual family. I don't know what it is, but pastors seem to be just, they like stick to me. And so I create these places where I cannot be overwhelmed and really host them and love on them and encourage them. And so they'll be with us uh, that night as well. But Pastor Willie George uh, is really a spiritual uh, leader in my life, a pastor, a friend over the years. uh, Much of what you see that God's doing in our church and is going to continue to do in the next uh, several months really uh, was birthed through this relationship uh, and his, his voice in my life. And so I want to encourage you to come in. Uh, he's incredible on his own merit, but he's uh, very, very important to our church family. Come and worship with us. We will have, literally, if you thought worship was good now, and it was good, 
We, we are taking the best from every one of our locations, okay? And it is gonna be an incredible worship night as well, so make sure that you join us. So we're gonna jump into 1 John. Uh, I wanna kind of recap a little bit of who John is. This is the same John that's disciple of Jesus. You might remember he said in the book that he wrote that he was Jesus' favorite, right? Come on, somebody. I mean, I know as a Christian, you should be saying, like, I'm, like, I'm Jesus' favorite. Like, that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. Like, my kids always run up and they're like, hey, hey, who's your favorite? And they're like, I am. And it's like, well, if you're all my favorite, none of you can be, but whatever, we won't do that. In their own way, we should be uh, God's favorite. We should see uh, ourselves how God sees us. And John did that. He was a disciple. He followed Jesus, walked with Jesus. And then uh, Jesus uh, went to the cross, was resurrected, and the church started. And uh, John was first at the church in Ephesus. Uh, You might remember Timothy takes over that church for him. As uh, John aged, he began to really pastor a region of churches in what is modern-day Turkey. Uh, modern day Turkey, and these churches were growing rapidly. They were all in uh, Gentile territory. For those of you who may be interesting, maybe you're new to reading the Bible, the Bible always talks to one, or three, one of three uh, groups of people. This is important because you can misunderstand something the Bible's saying because you don't know who the audience is. Uh, there's the uh, Jewish people. You, uh, you can read about the family of Abraham, uh, the, the nation of Israel. There's also the Gentiles, which is pretty much everyone else, all right? And then there's the church. There's the church, and, and John is speaking, this is important, he's writing this letter to the church, to the church in a woke culture with all kinds of problems, all kinds of things going on. They started to lose their mind, they started to lose their footing, and many times, you know, they, 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 the world was starting to press in on them. They weren't really sure, like, what, how to integrate their faith, and so John writes this letter, and he, he pulls out four things that make the Christian unmistakable. Did you know that there are four things that should make you unmistakable? We talked about the first one last week. I'm not even going to recap because you can go back and watch it. All right, this week we're going to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. How one of the things that separates you as a believer from the culture you live in is literally your living, walking, manifest relationship with the Holy Spirit. John chapter 2, 1 John 2, 15. Through 23. You know, a lot of people who teach the Bible, they tell you when you teach, only do a couple scriptures at a time because people just can't handle anymore. Uh, and I say, you don't know Vintage Church, okay? Listen, we can handle some scripture. Can we handle some scripture? Yeah. All right, so I'm going to read through this whole patch. I'm going to break it down a little bit, uh, and we're going to learn, and we're going to grow together in our faith. Uh, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possession, we're going to come back to that, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away, but the one, everyone say one. One. That's us. Who does the will of God remains forever. Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, you know, the one in Revelation, even though now many Antichrists have come. By this we know that this is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. However, they went out so that it might be made clear that none of them belongs to us. Here's what he's essentially saying. Everyone, just because you call yourself a Christian doesn't mean you are one. Just because you say something doesn't make it a reality. What he's saying is, you know how you can tell the people who are really like saved? Like they, they begin to prioritize God in their life, right? Like they're here. Like we know that those people didn't love God because quite frankly, they didn't stick. They didn't stick into the church. They didn't stick with their faith. They started, but then they just got knocked off the path. However, those who went out, it might be made clear. Okay, verse, uh, verse 20. 
but you have the anointing from the Holy One, also the Holy Spirit, and all of you know the truth. I have not written to you because you don't know the truth, but because you know it and because no lies come from the truth. This is interesting. He says, for all those people who want a fresh word on Sunday, that's unbiblical. You know what he just told him? He goes, by the way, for, the, for those of you wanting this fresh word, I'm going to give you the same old word because it works. You don't need something new. You need to re- be reminded of what already is, about what already works in your life. By the way, in the Bible, they, they don't, there's no exclamation point or emojis in the Hebrew language or Aramaic. So God, to get our attention in scripture, what does he do? Repeats himself. Parents, you know what I'm talking about. Like my kids, dad, you're beating a dead horse. My wife taught him that expression. I'm like, I ain't, listen, first of all, yes, I am. And it ain't dead. Come on, anybody. Come on. That's what God's doing. That's what he's doing to the church. He's not saying anything new. He's going back. Here's what happens when, 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 when something changes, when there's a shift, right? We tend to get vertigo. We tend to kind of, you know, get unsettled. But those things in God's word are a rock, a lamp. They always remain the same. That's what he's essentially saying here. Who is the liar, if not the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the one, the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. He who confesses the Son has the Father as well. Okay, lots of scripture. Here's two things he's focusing on. He's building in this letter. Okay, he's building. Here's the first thing he's warning. The first thing he's warning about is an inordinate love for the world. There are a lot of believers that have an inordinate love for the world. There are a lot of believers that are allowing that love for the world, right, to gaslight them into believing what the world even thinks is love or even thinks is the right way. This is a tendency we have. You know why? Because we have a lot of great stuff. We have a lot of great stuff. The poorest person in the United States lives better than the first billionaire, Ron D. Rockefeller, did at the turn of the last century. Okay, we have a lot of stuff. I would actually say this. I think prosperity, by and large, has made the church in America weak. It's just true. By the way, it makes every culture weak, right? You don't, have to, you, don't have, you don't need anything. You can just go to a doctor, pop a pill, put on a mask, take a vaccine. And then you have this false reality that you control life and death. Good luck with that. There's wisdom, but you guys do know if, if the Lord tarries, there is one perfect statistic. We will all die in these bag of bones. It's what we do with them that prepares us to rule and reign with the body we were meant for with Christ in eternity. And so, so it's, but that's, but he's speaking this inordinate love for the world. I mean, how many of you, honestly, like you speak truth, you stand up, you raise your kids into knowing like, that's a boy, that's a girl. And you get called a bigot and hateful. And then you feel bad and you start going, well, maybe, maybe there is a third something. (laughs) That's an inordinate love for the world. You have an attachment to people's opinions about you and not to God and not to what he says is true. That's, by the way, Wokeness did not start just 10 years ago. It's been in the body of Christ from the beginning. Why? Because good, we love people. We want to reach people. Like We don't want to be perceived as hateful or, or mean. right? But did you know the very truth of God in the last days is going to be perceived that way? It's going to be painted that way in the world. He's addressing that. The next he's talking about is the deception of false teachers. I literally heard a pastor. Bless his heart. Bless his heart. By the way, all these pastors coming in, man, you got to... I'm a special kind of person to be around. So, you know, my wife used to tell me, man, you light up a room by leaving it. Come on, somebody. (laughs) False teachers, false teachers. He's warning about false teachers. And this is very, very important, okay? Because you have a lot of people, 
I, I had a, literally, the pastor posted this. My, our job as shepherds is just to speak Jesus, 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 Jesus. I said, that's a Bethel song. That's not the, I mean, I love Bethel. They preach the Bible. Yes, we speak Jesus over your life, but how, how abstract is that? You have a practical problem, and here's the problem. Many churches in America are, are trying to tell their congregations the questions they should be asking, and they're only answering those. Well, you have questions. By the way, the Bible has answers that work in your life today. That's my job as a shepherd, to show you what the Bible says. The moment I stop doing that, find another church. The Bible's not the highest thing in the Christian life. You are not a Christian. It's how we know the mind of God. We're gonna talk about the anointing of the Holy Spirit. None of that matters if you don't know God's word because he has nothing to work with, right? None of that matters. And so, so your faith should get, I know this is true because, okay, every one of these letters written in the church, I'm a little preachy. They took my TV away, so I'm, I'm panthering on you a little bit. You ever see a panther, you know, like in a cage at the zoo? You know, it's just like, you know, I'm sorry. That's their fault, not mine. The first time, I'll get used to it. <laughs> Every one of these letters, John wrote in response to another letter. You know those letters you want to write and you put in a drawer? Thank God he didn't show us those letters. That was the hate mail. That was what the culture's saying. That was with all the people, man. They were, they were lashing out at John, going, tell us what to do. These people are saying this. These people are saying that. This person's crazy and this person's doing that. This person got his head lopped off and it's just nuts. By the way, we have an email address for those kind of letters. It's called customer service at vintage.church. <laughs> it is cathartic sometimes to write out an email and to send it. It will go nowhere. It will hurt none of your relationships, but you might feel better afterwards. I think there's some good to that. He literally just put their letter in a drawer. Then he addresses according to the Bible, what the word says is true, what God's way is. Inordinate love for the world and a deception this is interesting, too, because John actually writes about this. Uh, he, he, he talks about these three levels of sin, these three levels of temptation that you and I face. Uh, we never outgrow them, by the way. This side of heaven, we always have to contend at three levels of temptation. We see these temptations in the garden, right? Eve saw that it was, there are three of them. Jesus, in Mark 4, was tempted with all three of these. And it's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Let me explain this for just a minute. The lust of the flesh. You all know what that's about. Your five senses, right? Warring against you. As a pastor, I, I help a lot of men. Matter of fact, I myself have been helped by strong men overcoming just the sexualized culture all around us. Did you know the pornography industry, last time I checked, was a six-point-something billion-dollar establishment? And, I mean, I have pastors, friends, leaders, all around me all the time going, how do I, how do I kick that? Well, you don't do it alone. Because you, listen, ladies, this is important too, because some of you guys, you don't understand, you're refusing to understand what your husbands are facing, what your sons are facing, what your brothers are facing. Think about this. Six point whatever, one dollar bills, billion, one dollar bills bet against their purity. And then you know what? I have daughters too. Y'all have your own struggles. The beauty industry, oh my gosh. What they say is, what you should be, it's like, man, go, go eat some carbs. What is that about? It's bad. And think about that for just a minute. Like, I mean, that's the lust of the flesh. It's the lust of the flesh. They appeal to your flesh. There's a reason sex sells. It's because of the lust of the flesh. Then he goes on and he says, the lust of the eyes. You know what this is? You want something you didn't work for. You look over the fence, see something you think you're entitled to. By the way, I, I wanna say every single one of us, every single one of us are born into this world 
with certain privileges and limitations. Okay? And it's what we do in light of those things that matters. Every single one of you, you don't have to talk five minutes with somebody. I don't care what the color of their skin is, how much money they grew into or didn't, grew up in, with or not. You, get, you, you, tell, you ask them five questions and you'll find suffering in their life at some level, some issue, some addiction, you know, some lost loved one or some struggle that they're overcoming. And what is, what, what is it? It's the lust of the eyes. You see, we see, because we see it, we think we can have it. But seeing is not having in the Bible. Sowing is reaping in the Bible. You don't just, because you see it, it can't be yours, right? Okay, seeing is believing. Yeah, they saw Jesus for 40 days before they actually believed it was really him. Seeing is not believing, right? You gotta have a little bit of faith. You gotta put some seed in the ground, let it die, do the right things over and over again. And then one day you, we wake up and you realize, man, you're reaping from that first day. And it's, 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 what, it's what the accountants call compound interest. That's what sowing and reaping is. And, and you see, you'll never get there if you don't put seed in the ground and you're not faithful and you don't remain planted and you don't keep going. But what we do, we say, I mean, we, entitlements. We, we're entitled to this. You're not entitled to anything. You know what the Bible says you're entitled to? Everything above God's grace is by, everything above hell is by God's grace. That's what he says. Everything's a gift from God. How does that mark the church? It, it should mark us. Then you have the pride of life, right? The pride of life exalts itself above God. I talk to a lot of people who want to be in ministry and I honestly am really, I'm not dissing higher education. I'm not. But a lot of times people in ministry, this has been my experience in the field that I'm in, they want to qualify themselves. Now listen, some people should qualify themselves. My wife's a doctor. I'm really glad she went to medical school. <laughs> really glad. I'm really glad she practiced and did residency and I'm really glad. That, but you know, pastoring, it's kind of like you're with people. It's, it's, it's a little different. And a lot of guys will kind of, instead of being planted in the church and learning what it means to be led and, and the ways of God and, and, and the, the, you know, they, they say, well, I, I want to be a pastor. I'm going to go to seminary. And here's what I've learned. I've learned that they go off to seminary, and I call it cemetery. It's where faith goes to die. <laughs> they puff their intellect above God, and they come back just critiquing every little thing about God. It's like, it's like oh, so you hung the stars and the moon. Think about this for a minute. God could have given the church to anyone. He gave it to 12 men. One tapped out early. He got replaced by someone better. <laughs> 12 men. 12 men. They weren't politicians. They weren't religious theologians that wanted to break down the Hebrew and the Latin Greek and the third dispensation of the fifth menorah stick. <laughs> they were fishermen. And they were good at it. So good, they look at the guy on the shore going, we've been here all night, bro. Like world's deadliest catch, got nothing on us. <laughs> what do you, how do you gotta be a good fisherman? You gotta catch fish. And you have fish guts on your hands. Just remember that. Pride of life says you know better than God. And you know, you keep going down your intellect, you can justify anything with your old evil intellect. You can justify, you can justify the most heinous forms of abuse on, on another person. You can justify all kinds of things. You can use that book to justify anything. It doesn't mean it's from God. What is that? That's intellect. There are a lot of, there's a whole woke theology going on right now where they're, they're deconstructing what God's put in place from the beginning of the world. Good luck with that. They're literally getting to observations like there's nowhere in the Bible that talks about marriage being one man, one woman with God for life. Really? God was the first father that walked his daughter down the aisle in Genesis. It's right there. Male and female? No, no. There's all kinds of other things. 
right? What I'm saying is that, by the way, it's pride of life. It's, it's exalting yourself above God. I'm so glad Willie George is gonna be here. I'm so glad I had a pastor taught me this. It doesn't matter what you feel. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what you justify. It only matters what God's word says is true. Put the Bible over your head. Let it be a filter for everything. John says, literally, literally, why are we so confused? Because we don't know God's word and his ways. This is why when I say things like come to a worship night, plug into the church, it's not because we need more people. We don't have a room. It's already too hot in here, y'all. We're working on that, by the way. We're building a new auditorium and making more space. It's gonna be great. Stick around with us. We're gonna ask you to pay for it too. It's gonna be great. <laughs> but, but my point is, it, it, what happens when you get in a room like this? Right? God shows up. That's what happens. You learn God's will so that you can actually practice his ways out there. You also have some accountability. You know, you're sitting with someone who heard something. You're kind of like, man, I heard that. That's not what you're doing. That's what family's like. You ever been sitting at the dinner table? One of the members of the family breaks a rule of the house. <laughs> First of all, you always have a tattletale. You got to kind of tell them to simmer down. <laughs> right? The family helps each other grow, holds each other accountable. That's the point. By the way, that's what this is. That's what this is. That's what this is. So you have these temptations. These temptations. And then John says in 1 John 2.20, he says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. And all of you know the truth. When you hear that word anointing, some of you are like, you're recovering charismatics, thinking, well, this word all goes crazy. And some of y'all, you never even heard the Holy Spirit. You're like, oh, there's a Holy Spirit? What's that? Well, they took it out of your Bible. I don't know what to tell you, but he's there a lot. <laughs> the anointing is literally the, the manifest power. I'm gonna give you a definition. The anointing is the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit. It's important. There's three, it's threefold. I'm gonna explain the next 10 minutes. I'm gonna explain this to you because you gotta understand the work of the Holy Spirit. It marks you. It's unmistakable in the life of a believer. All right? The Holy Spirit's with you. The Holy Spirit's in you. And the Holy Spirit comes upon you. There's three, there's a three-corded relationship that you have with the Holy Spirit. Let's start with the first one. The first one is the Holy Spirit is with you. John 16, 8. When he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. Every one of you are sitting here today because the Holy Spirit drew you to Jesus. You stick here today. Nobody talked you into your faith. Somebody can talk you into your faith, they can talk you out of it. The Holy Spirit, man, you heard it and you go, that's it. It's in your heart. Do you know the people that we minister to, this world, the Holy Spirit's still with them. That's not right. That's not how it's gonna work. That's, not, that's never gonna work, right? Holy Spirit's convicting the world of sin. I don't know how he does it, but somehow the Cherokee Indians from like hundreds of years ago, right, they're gonna stand before God just like the rest of us and they're not gonna have an excuse for not following Christ. I don't know how. I mean, one of the names for God, like one of the ways to describe God is omnipresent. Like, you know, he's, he's, he's in the past, the present, and the future at the same time. That'll blow your mind. Like, we, I, I just try to watch the flash and it confuses me. The multiverse and I'm so, whoo. Bible says eternity is written on the human heart. There's a little something about the gospel in those stories because it's etched in our heart. He's saying, like, you know, like, you know, they know Jesus with the world. By the way, that means you don't have to beat people over the head of the Bible. You don't have to speak, you don't have to picket gay funerals. You don't have to be ugly and mean. They already know. You just keep standing for the truth, be in the light, and guess what the light does? It draws all men. I will tell you this, it also repels people too. The people who love darkness more than light, they will hate you. Jesus says, woe, when everyone speaks well of you. Woe, not woke, woe's bad. It's not good, right? You never stand, you listen, you stand for everything, you stand for nothing. It's just how it works. 
So light does both. It draws the people being saved by the Holy Spirit, but it also, Jesus said, they hated me, they will hate you. They, they, listen, they will, he actually said, they'll do worse to you than they did to me. That's what he said. But take heart, I've overcome all of it. This, this life is not all there is. And you know what? If you don't quit, you win. The Holy Spirit is with you. Galatians 1.15, but when God, who from my mother's womb set me apart and called me by his grace, this is Paul, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I could preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with anyone. What he's saying is there's something in the human heart that draws to God, right? Somehow, and this is a theological conundrum that people have been fighting about forever. Somehow God chooses us from the beginning of the world, but we still cooperate and choose him somehow. It's like a fourth or fifth dimension. I don't know. We'll learn one day, right? There's this, there's this cooperation that happens. And by the, Christians get hell really, really wrong. They think God sends people to hell. No, God, God never sends anyone to hell. Hell was made for the devil and the fallen angels. Read Jude. It's very clear what hell is made for. It's not made for us. The Bible says that God is willing that none should perish, but that all should come to everlasting life. God says, I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Please, open book test. Choose life. It's better. Did you know that there won't be anybody in hell that doesn't want to be there? They so hate God and the things of God, they would rather stay in hell than than bend their knee and serve him. You know, we need to remember that. That's the Holy Spirit with us. The Holy Spirit's with us. Everybody say, the Holy Spirit's with me. Okay, it's gonna be good. The next is the Holy Spirit is in you. Did you know the Holy Spirit comes into every single believer when you surrender your life to him? John told Nick, or Jesus told Nick in John chapter three, verse three, Nick, Nick is short for Nicodemus. You know, he, he was this religious guy. He was doing the best he could with what he had. I mean, y'all know people like that. Like they're still rebellious about faith. They kind of just don't, you know, but they're, you know, they're trying. Nick was kind of like that. But he knew something was missing. And he asked Jesus, because like, obviously this brother has something. He wasn't real sure, though, because he came at night. He wasn't really sure if he wanted to mess with his cred. Nick would actually be completely transformed and help build the local church in the first century. It was awesome. Nick would be a massive part of the gospel spreading. But he comes to Jesus. He says, I've tried everything, Jesus. I've tried to be good. I've tried this on my own. Like, I'm missing some. Jesus says, that, uh, Nick, I know why. You need to be born again. And he's like, what? Born again? Like, go back into my mother's womb. And, uh, it's gross. Nick blew Nick's mind. He's like, I've already been born. How did I do that? No, he said, no, 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 of the Spirit, of the Spirit. You know, when you give your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says you become a new creation. In that moment, the Spirit in you that was once dead is now alive in Christ. And that the Bible says you are now given a deposit of the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. All those miracles, the, the third part of the Trinity. I'm not sure there's an order, but there's three of them. We'll talk about Trinitarian thoughts some other time. But you literally have the presence of God in you. You know why this place feels better, different? than all the other places you're in. A lot of people will say, I want more of God in my life. I want more of God in my life. I want more of God in my life. But then they'll isolate. They won't get around believers. You know why? It's not just because of the cool new lights, and they're pretty cool. And it's not, it's not just because of the, the fog and, and all that. It's because when you come together and worship and you gather, the spirit of God is stronger with all of us than it is with any one of us individually. The Holy Spirit in you, the Holy Spirit in you, the Holy Spirit in you, the Holy Spirit in you is doing a couple things. Drawing people in the room that don't have the Holy Spirit to, to Jesus. But it's also empowering, uplifting, and strengthening the brother and sister sitting over there that's thinking, man, I can't feel God anywhere. There's something supernatural about being in person. I, you can't go to church online. You can only hear a cool message. Write down some notes. It doesn't feel like this. I don't care what anybody says. Meta nothing. The church is impartation. 
You have to make time in your calendar. Why would God demand, why would God accept any less? We make time for our kids' club soccer. We make time for every other thing we want to do. I'm painting a chicken barn. Well, I'm not going to go to church. I'm going to paint the chicken barn. Listen, the presence of God is not in that chicken barn. The presence of God is here. And I'm going to go finish painting that chicken barn because I promised I'd do it. Jesus said, that's your yes be yes and your no be no. So I'm going to have the encouragement, man, right? I don't know why I need to say that. I I didn't say that any other time. (laughs) Holy Spirit's in you. It allows you to test all things. Listen to that still small voice. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will speak to you through the person next to you. The family member going, man, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) I'm still with you, but that's really stupid. Let me show you in the Bible. We don't say that enough as Christians. You know what we say? I was just talking to somebody who's trying to overcome sin in their life. And I noticed something in how he was talking. He was a young believer. He kept saying, I feel, but I feel, but I feel, but I feel, but I feel. And I'm listening to him and my ears are starting to get hot. And I'm trying to listen to this guy, but I'm just like, but I feel, but I'm like, what the word says. But I feel, but 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 the word says. Finally, I just stopped him and said, nobody cares how you feel. Okay, where are you at right now? That's where your feelings got you. Do you want to go somewhere else? Put those feelings in a box and do God's word. (laughs) Is that all right? I'm preachy. I don't know. I need a TV. I need a TV. (laughs) Finally, as we close in 59 seconds, the Holy Spirit comes upon you. How many of you, for being honest, you thought to yourself, how many just love being side blinded? Like just kicked in the side of the face and you didn't see it coming. You just love that. If you love that, man, you need counseling. You've got some family of origin problems. We will help you with those. We don't. We hate surprises. All of us hate surprises. And, but you know what? Surprises are going to come. Jesus said, when you have trouble, not if, it's when. And you know what? Most of the trouble I've had, I didn't see coming. There are like five things that happened in the last five weeks that I didn't see coming. Right? Here's what the Holy Spirit promises to do in those moments. He will come upon you when you couldn't possibly have been prepared when you couldn't have possibly seen it. He saw it. He saw it coming a mile away, way more than that. And he will tell you exactly what to say. He will show you exactly what to do. And the Bible says he will actually come upon you in power to make sure that it gets done and that maximum number of people around you get saved. Luke 4, 18, Jesus, they, Jesus said this, it's a prophecy about himself, but remember he gave this spirit to us. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed. Look around our world. There ain't no bystander effect here. Look around the world. Look at all those oppressed people. You know what the answer is? The Holy Spirit in you. That's the answer. You being strong. A strong church blesses culture, blesses the world social justice, all the little nonprofits here and there. Listen, we give to a lot of the different kinds of things, but there's nothing stronger than a body of believers who know who they are in Christ and who literally allow the, the Holy Spirit right, to go with them. They cultivate the Holy Spirit's voice in them. And then when the Holy Spirit comes upon them, that's what you see in the book of Acts. When the Holy Spirit came on the church, what happened? changed everything. That's the answer to our world. Let's keep that focus when we go into the fall. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much for the power of your word. First of all, Lord, I I thank you for John. 
how hard it must have been. Lord, I've written a book in the 21st century. I can't imagine in the first the kind of commitment it would have taken, the kind of rigor. I can't imagine as he's leading churches and hearing you. And I thank you, Father, that he chose. You worked in him, but he chose so that all of us could be blessed by his letter today. I thank you for him. I can't wait one day when I get to meet him face to face. Father, I also thank you for what an incredible privilege it is to be your son and daughter in this place. God, of all the people you could have picked to be on this earth at this time, you picked us. You picked us. That was not by accident because you never pick people that you don't equip, that you don't empower, that you don't resource to do what you've called them to do. The question is, will we cooperate with you? That's for me and my house, Lord, that answer is yes. His heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one looking around. We're gonna transition to a time of prayer. We're almost done. But some of you in here, you haven't gotten serious in your faith. Not really. Maybe at one time you started off on a good path, but you weren't really committed. You had one foot in the world, one foot in the church, in the kingdom. Maybe you gave your life to Christ. You prayed a prayer at some point in your life, but today you look at your life and you're not, you're not walking with him. You're not serious. Others in you, in, in here, you've seen religion. You've walked into this place and you can't even explain it. It's the Holy Spirit with you. You can't even explain it. As the word was put forward, you know that's it. That's it. What do I do next? You need to give your life to Christ for the first time. His heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one looking around. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna single you out when I get anything weird. You don't even really have enough room in this room to do anything weird. But, but you need to get that right. Jesus says that if you acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before my Father. But if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father. And I think it's important that you understand God will never bully you or push you or force you. You have to cooperate with him. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it starts from an act of free will. You confess with your own mouth that Jesus is Lord. You surrender your life to his lordship. The Bible says you believe what the Bible, you believe what it says about him is true. That he died for your sins on the cross. He rose from the dead. The Bible says from that prayer of belief, your new life begins or begins again. And his heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Listen, I'm, I'm really not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna single you out. But I do think it's important between me, you, and God that if you're in here today, you're far from him, we get that right. Is that you? Would you just put your hand up halfway and put it right back down? I see you, I see you. Put it up, put it right back down. Hands are going up all over the room. You're just acknowledging, that's me. I'm gonna leave this place different than I walked in. Is there anyone else you say, pastor, that's me. Pray for me, pray for me. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. In a moment, we're gonna pray a prayer. It's based on this passage in Romans chapter 10, verse nine. I want to encourage you if you raised your hand to really mean it. You can't fake God. He sees your heart. Allow this prayer that we repeat together to be an expression of why you raise your hand. I believe he's gonna tell you what to do. And here's my advice to you, do it. Keep doing it. We're gonna give you some steps as well to help you grow and find your place in the body. And maybe you're in here and you follow Jesus. You love God. We're gonna pray this prayer too so as to encourage their faith. Church, we believe in what they're doing. Let's pray this all together. Let's pray, Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth, for living a perfect life. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I believe that you are good and I believe you're God. I believe on the third day after you were killed that you rose from the dead. I believe you defeated death once and for all so that I could have eternal life. 
once and for all. Today I choose life. Today I make you my Lord, my Savior, and my King. Today is a new day, and I am a new person. Show me what's next. It's in your name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. Come on, church. Put our hands together.